the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Al Fadi, and you're listening to Let Us Reason um, for another continuation of this wonderful series that we're doing with our, with our dear brother Sam Shimon on the Christology uh, from the Quran and obviously bringing it back to the Bible. Uh, the point, of course, uh, as we mentioned to you many times, myself and my brother Sam Shimon here, that the use of the Quran is only intended to build the bridge back to the Bible. And of course, if Muslims are convinced of a certain Jesus, a certain Messiah in this case, of course, then we have to show them from their own scripture sometimes that even their own book, mistakenly sometimes, uh, says things about Jesus that they don't know the implications of that. So a Muslim thinks that the Messiah means one thing, yet their Quran actually confirms truth that is found in the Bible, and therefore we have to find a common ground to bring him back, of course, to the Scripture. Sam, welcome back, my brother. How are you doing? Thank you for having me back. It's an honor to be here with you, and I just, again, as my habit, I just want to glorify and praise the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, invoking the Father to anoint both you and I in the power of His Holy Spirit, to grant us clarity of thought and speech and protect us from error, sanctify our motives, to do it for the glory and honor and praise of Jesus, so that Christians get strengthened and Muslims get saved. In Jesus' name, may he bless this session. <clears throat> Amen. And I want to just tell everybody, please, please, please lift us up in prayer, especially my brother here. We are always and constantly under spiritual attacks, as you would know. So please remember my brother in prayers. Please visit his blog. Please visit his sites. Please support him. I don't know how many times I have to remind you that we as missionaries dependent solely on your prayer and your support. So whatever the Lord lays on your heart, we ask that you honor the ministry that God has placed him uh, to do, and hopefully whatever the Lord puts in your heart, you will be willing to give to him as you have been given to us as well. Thank you so much. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, let's uh, try to continue for where we left off. It's been a while, so I just want to refresh the memories of your audience. We were talking about chronic Christology, the chronic portrait of showing that the Quran, although denies, that Christ is God in one breath, makes assertions about Jesus that actually affirm that he's more than human, that he's fully divine. So it's a contradictory portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I also want to emphasize what you said. We don't believe the Quran is revelation. It's not the revelation of God. However, because Muslims believe in its authority, we can use it as a stepping stone to bring them to the truth of the Gospel, because there are true things in the Quran. Whenever the Quran agrees with the Bible, those things are true. It's when it contradicts the Bible that the Quran is false. So I just want to make it clear, we're not quoting the Quran because we believe it's divine, it's authoritative. We're quoting it because Muslims believe in it, and showing them those parts of the Quran 
that agree with the Bible and how they have to then take seriously the implications of those statements. Now, <clears throat> Muslims shouldn't have an, an a, a, a opposition to this. In other words, Muslims can't really object to this because the, the Quran itself tells Muslims that if there are things in the Quran concerning what Jews and Christians believe that's not clear, that's not fully deep, to ask the Jews and Christians for clarification, for clarity. Now let me prove that. If you go to chapter 16, verse 43 of the Quran, it says the following. <clears throat> chapter 16, verse 43. And we sent not as messengers before thee other than men whom we inspired. Ask the followers of the remembrance if ye know not. So here, the Quran is telling Muhammad's audience, ask the followers of the remembrance. Now, if you look at any commentator, they'll tell you that the followers of the rem remembrance is a title referring to the Jews and Christians and their scripture, because their scripture is called a remembrance, a reminder, reminding them of their obligation and duty to God. So here, you are to ask the Jews and Christians for clarification. This is also repeated in 21, verse 7. Same thing. And we sent not as messengers before thee, whom we inspired. Ask the followers of the reminder, the remembrance, if you know not. And again, 1094, speaking to Muhammad directly. Chapter 10, verse 94, it says this. <clears throat> speaking to Muhammad, it says, <clears throat> Be not of those who doubt concerning the revelations sent down to you. If you doubt that these revelations are from God, ask the people of the book. <clears throat> so notice, it's saying to Muhammad, do not doubt these revelations that are coming down to you. If you doubt these revelations are from God, ask the people of the book. Now here's the problem, my brother. If Muhammad and Muslims take these commands seriously, if they want further clarification on issues concerning <clears throat> what the Bible teaches, because the Quran doesn't go in-depth on many of the stories that it apes from the Bible. And if they want to know whether the Quran is from the same source that inspired the Bible, they're going to be in trouble. Because when we turn to the Scriptures, although we find many parts of the Quran agreeing with the Bible, we find many statements in the Quran that contradicts the Bible. And since the Quran appeals to the Bible, not the other way around, the Bible does not appeal to the Quran, that means whenever the Quran disagrees with the Bible, the Quran is wrong because the lesser is appealing to the greater. The Quran, which is more recent, is appealing to the Bible for confirmation of its claims, which means the Bible becomes the criterion, or in Arabic, the Furqan, Al-Furqan, the criterion to determine whether the Quran is completely true, whether it's completely false, or does it contain a mixture of truth and falsehood. So are you with me thus far, brother? Absolutely, brother. Thank you for bringing that out. So I want to make that clear. So now... The Quran says Jesus is the Messiah in several places. <clears throat> One place is three, chapter 3, verse 45. Chapter 3 of the Quran, verse 34, uh, 45, as the Lord anoints my mouth to speak clearly. We're going to then take it from there. It says, And when the angel said, O Mary, lo, Allah giveth thee, gives you good news, glad tidings of a word from him. So here, Jesus Christ is said to be a word from Allah. That's one of his many na names, ascriptions, and titles in the Quran. A word from him whose name is the Messiah, Jesus. So here, it says Jesus is a word from Allah, from God, given to Mary, and the name of this word that came from God to Mary is Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary. Now, the Quran doesn't tell us what the significance is in calling Jesus Al-Masih, the Messiah. In Arabic, it's Al-Masih, and you know Arabic better than I do. Now, the word Messiah is the Arabic cognate 
of the Hebrew word Mashiach, Mashiach, anointed one. In Greek, the word Mashiach becomes Christos, where we get Christ. So for the audience, if they want to know where we got the term Christ from, when, when speaking of our Lord Jesus, Christ is simply the transliteration of the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one, and Christos is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Mashiach. Is that clear? Absolutely. Now, in Arabic, because Arabic is a Semitic language, it's a sister language to Hebrew, it's Messiah, El-Messiah, right? Right. Now, the Quran doesn't tell us why he's the Messiah, why he's called Mashiach, why he's called the Anointed One. Now, remember what the Quran says. When you do not have complete details concerning a specific episode or a title ascribed to any biblical character, then what you need to do is then go to the Bible to allow the Bible to fill in those lacking details, <clears throat> that information. So now when I turn to the Scriptures and see what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah, this is where the Muslims are in a dilemma. According to the Hebrew Bible, God announced in advance, beforehand, through the mouth of His inspired prophets, that one would come, the Anointed One, the Messiah. And this one, when He comes, would accomplish specific tasks, and this one <clears throat> is a particular individual that is more than human. Now, just to prove that assertion, let's look at some of these prophecies, because this is what I want to focus on. The Quran has put Muslims in a dilemma. The Quran says, you Muslims, if you doubt, if you have doubts concerning whether these revelations are from God, then you are to ask the people of the book, the people reading the Bible. And if you have any inquiries about anything related to biblical matters, you need to turn to the Bible. The Bible doesn't appeal to the Quran, the Quran appeals to the Bible. So with that said, when we go to the Hebrew Bible to see what the prophet said about the coming one, the Messiah, Al-Messiah, we find out that not only is he human, he's actually God in the flesh. Now let's look at the first prophecy. This prophecy was uttered over 700 years before the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the prophet of Isaiah, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, and verses 6 to 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 2, and verses 6 to 7. So let's read. Nevertheless, there shall be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he contemptuously treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he shall make it glorious. Now notice where he's going to make it glorious. It even gives you the locale, the location. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the nations. I want everyone listening to focus on this. God even specifies the location. And the location will be in Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. So from Galilee, a great light will shine to illuminate the path of those in darkness in order to bring them out of darkness into the path of salvation. So you with me thus far? Amen, brother. Amen. Now let's see who or what this great light is, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, yelid yulad in Hebrew. Unto us a child is born, yelid yulad. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The name of this child who is born is Mighty God, El Gibor in the Hebrew tongue. Now, in Arabic, mighty God would be 
Allah Al-Jabbar. Right. That would be his name. Allah Al-Jabbar. Now, no Muslim would deny that this title, Mighty God, El Giborn Hebrew, which in Arabic would be Allah Al-Jabbar, is a title of God alone. This is one of the names of God that you cannot ascribe to a creature, because in Islamic theology you have what is known as Tawheed, and the categories of Tawheed, Tawheed is the Arabic word for the unity of God. Tawheed, the unity of God. And one of the categories of Tawheed is Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat, the unity of the names and attributes of God, meaning God possesses certain attributes and names that cannot be given to a creature no matter how exalted. One of the names of God that cannot be given to creature would be this name, Mighty God, El Gibor. Absolutely. It's part of the 99 names, supposedly, and people are called Abdul Jabbar, the servant of Jabbar, El Gibor. Thank you. Yep. Right? So here you, here you have it. It's one of the names. Now, to further confirm this is a divine name, the very next chapter of Isaiah, in Isaiah 10, 20 to 21, the very next chapter, Yahweh, Jehovah, is called the Mighty God, El Gibor. Same title. So a child is born who astonishingly will be the mighty God in human flesh, the eternal father. Now, eternal father means that this child will be our provider, sustainer, and deliverer. As a father provides for his family, as a father sustains his family, this one will sustain all who belong to him, who believe in him, who trust in him. He'll provide for them, sustain them, and preserve them, right? And he's the prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, <clears throat> there shall be no end. Now notice that this is the Messiah. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with justice and with righteousness from now until forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Ask any Jew, who is this child that will sit on the throne of David and rule it forever? And they'll tell you it's the Messiah. So there is no doubt this is a prophecy of the Messiah. But now let's note what it says about the Messiah. This Messiah is the great light that will shine from Galilee of the Gentiles. Don't forget that. It even tells you the location. This child who is born, right, Yelad Yulad, will sit on David's throne and reign forever. This child who is born is the mighty God. Clearly, this child is no mere human. He's God in the flesh. Now, did Jesus fulfill this prophecy? Remember, this child to be born, the great light, will shine from Galilee of the Gentiles. Now let's see where our Lord, where our Lord was raised, where our Lord began his ministry. Let's read Luke 1, 26 to 32. And let me know how I'm doing on time, because there's a lot of meat to cover. We may have to do more than one show again. We still have about 10 minutes, bro. Okay. Luke 1, 26 to 32. Watch this. Because remember, Islam teaches that the angel Gabriel, Arabic Jibril, appeared to Muhammad. Now, let's see whether this Gabriel preached the same message to Mary, the Blessed Mother of our Lord, that he did to Muhammad. Because remember what Muhammad said. Allah has no son. Jesus is not the son of Allah. That's right. So this is the That's contradiction correct. in the Quran. It says certain things about Jesus that shows he's more than human, he's God in the flesh, but then it also denies that he's God in the flesh, which we'd expect from a scripture that's not divine in origin. If it's not from God, then we'd expect such discrepancies and consistencies. But now, let's see what Gabriel says to Mary, the Blessed Mother of our Lord, about her child. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, now notice the location. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. Notice the two elements in this passage. Gabriel went to a city in Galilee, and he went to a virgin from the house of David. Did you remember what the prophecy in Isaiah 9 said? Yes. A great light would shine from Galilee, and a child would be born to sit on the throne of David. So you with me so far, Absolutely. Right? It's right here in front of me. I'm looking at it, and it's the exact same fulfillment here. Yep, and then it says, And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled by his words, and considered in her mind what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Do you remember the prophecy? Unto us a son is given. You will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. You remember it says a great light? Right. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Right there. Just as right it says there, in verse see, 7. Yep, exactly. You see that the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 9, is being fulfilled in the conception and birth of our Lord Jesus from his blessed mother, while she was a virgin, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, since the Quran says... Jesus is the Messiah, and since the Hebrew Bible says the Messiah is a child born, who is the mighty God in the flesh, a great light shining from Galilee, that means the Quran unwittingly testifies to the deity of Christ by claiming that he's the Messiah, right? And let me read 33, just to make it... You know, brother, let me, let me also make a point here. It's, it's kind ahead. of interesting, because the Quran actually confirms the New Testament fulfillment of the prophecy exactly. <laughs> by virtue of calling the uh, the the Christians Nazarene which yeah. is mentioned only in the New Testament here. Yeah, Nasara, right? So the Christians are called Nasara, right? Exactly. Followers of of the Nazarene, the one who's from Nazareth, which is a city in Galilee, right? Right. And by claiming that he's the Messiah, not another, the Quran testifies that only Jesus can fulfill these prophecies because we have our Jewish friends who don't believe in Jesus who are still waiting for a Messiah to come. So they don't believe Jesus fulfilled this. Now, the Muslims agree with us, Jesus is the only Messiah, therefore these prophecies can only be pointing to him. So notice the dilemma. Muslims, in agreeing with Christians, agree Jesus is the Messiah. They also agree that he is the Nazarene from Nazareth, a city in Galilee, because his followers are called Nasara in Arabic. And as you just noted, Nasara means basically Nazarenes, or followers of the Nazarene, right? Because Christians don't call themselves Nasara. That's correct. In Arabic, what do you call yourself as a Christian? Masihi. See, Masihi, which means follower of Masih, the Messiah. But then again, the Quran calls the followers of Christ Nasara, denoting the fact that they follow the Nazarene. Why is he the Nazarene? Because he's from Nazareth, which is a city in Galilee. So there you got it. Muslims are in, in trouble by agreeing Jesus is the Messiah, because to accept he's the Messiah, you have to accept he's the mighty God in the flesh. Now let me just read 33. Because in 33, the angel Gabriel says, And he, Jesus, will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Perfect fulfillment of Isaiah 9-7. Now, not only do you have the dilemma, brother, that Jesus being the Messiah is God in the flesh, which the Quran denies he's God, but affirms he's the Messiah, you have another problem. And here's where your Arabic expertise will come into play. In Isaiah 9-6, it says, A child is born, Yelid Yulad. Yelid Yulad is the Arabic cognate of the Arabic word <coughs> walid. Correct. 
Now, what does Surah Al-Ikhlas, chapter 112, say? That Allah neither, what? Lam yalid wa lam yulid. So, Allah is neither born nor does he beget. However, a prophet of God, 700 years before the birth of our Lord, about 1400 years before Muhammad, says, God can be and will be born as a child, contradicting the very heart of Surah Al-Ikhlas, chapter 112 of the Quran. So then how can Muhammad be a prophet, like the true prophets of God in the Hebrew Bible, let alone the New Testament witness, when the prophet Isaiah says, God will be born, Yalad Yulad, a child born who is the mighty God. Whereas the Quran says, no, Allah can never be born. So how can Muhammad be a prophet like the prophets of the Bible? Amen. So thus far we see the dilemma, right? Absolutely. But there's another one. Now, do I have a few more minutes to unpack another prophecy? Absolutely. We have about four minutes. Sure. Oh, good. Okay, well, this one, then we'll pick up uh, the next show of some other prophecies. This is good, because I have time for Micah 5, too. Now, here's another one. Now, this one is also a problem. Again, you look at any rabbinic interpretation of this passage, and they'll tell you this is talking about King Messiah. Micah 5, 2 tells us that not only we have in Isaiah 9 that the child born will shine from Galilee of the Gentiles, but Micah tells us that although the Messiah will shine forth from Galilee, that's not where he'll be born. He'll be born somewhere else. Where will he be born? Micah 5, 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, an Old Testament prophet. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, although you are small among the tribes of Judah, from you will come forth for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Here's the Messiah again, because the Messiah is the king of Israel who sits on David's throne. Now watch here. Watch what it says about his origin. Whose goings forth are from, from of old, from everlasting. Did you catch it? Amen. This ruler, although he rules over Israel, and he'll be born from a woman, because if you continue to 3 and 4, it says, his mother will give birth to him in labor pain, and he'll shepherd his, his brethren. It says this ruler, actually, his goings forth is from eternity, from everlasting. So he's not some human creature who comes into being at the moment his mother conceives him. He's actually from eternity, from everlasting itself, coming to be born to rule over Israel. Do you see that? Yes. Now, did Jesus fulfill this? Matthew 2, 1 to 6. Now, notice this. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. Now, after Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem of Judea. Matthew 2, 1 to 6. Our Lord, born in Bethlehem, raised in Galilee. Coincidence or perfect fulfillment of prophecy? In the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? Did you catch that? Micah 5.2 says, The ruler over Israel will come from Bethlehem. The ruler over Israel. So here's wise men from the east asking Herod, Where is he, the ruler of Israel, the one born to be king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Wow. They knew that this child who was born is worthy of their worship. Now, Herod, the king, heard these things. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ should be born. Did you make the connection? Amen, Herod brother. knew that the king of the Jews would be the Christ. So that means they're asking about the Christ, where he'd be born. They Amen. told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no longer least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor who will shepherd my people Israel. Prophecy fulfillment. 
Amen, brother. Amen. That's awesome. And certainly, like you said, we'll pick it up uh, next week with more prophecies. But as my listeners uh, who just uh, either just tuned in or been listening to Let Us Reason, this is your host Al-Fadi with me here, my uh, uh, my guest, uh, Sam Shimon, and we've been going through this series for a while now, and hopefully, I know, many of you really been emailing me saying we've been blessed by it, so thank you, brother, for doing this. So hopefully you've been even more blessed now by what you've heard. We'll pick it up again next week until we meet again. Uh, may the Lord bless you all and bless you, my brother here, Sam, and next week, of course, we will continue our discussions about uh, how the Quran confirms prophecies concerning the person of the Messiah our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.